0: be with you. Can we thank Brian who edited an hour and 15 minutes of a conversation into something that was digestible on a Sunday morning. I mean, what a gift for us. Uh, Every month we get to look back at what God is doing in the various ministries of the church and celebrate and pray for each other. But we took some time to really look back and consider the journey that we've been on together. And I mean, how incredible to think of all that God has done, all the fruit all the things that have been produced. And let me tell you, this was like unscripted. Not not just the video, but just the story is unscripted. I mean, by us at least. Like everything that I thought would take place over the last 12 to 13 years did not happen. But the things that God intended to have happen, those things have happened. And they're better than the things that we could have asked for. You know, this is a byproduct of really... What our name is, that namesake passage of John chapter 15, Jesus says, I'm the true vine and you're the branches. Your job is to remain connected to me, to remain, to stay with me, and then I'm going to bear fruit through you. I'm going to make things happen. I'm going to bring that vision into reality that you couldn't drum up yourself and it is going to be better. And I'm so grateful for looking back and seeing what God has done. But just like Brock was talking about, you know, there's a vision for what's next, There's so much to come. What is the Lord going to do as we remain united with him and see him bear fruit in another chapter of this story? And toward that end, we turn the page today. Having closed out the book of Hebrews and stepping forward into a new season, this weekend is a time for us to look into the future. It's Vision Sunday. And I can tell you as the pastor of teaching and vision here at Branches, I'm constantly looking forward to the future. I'm praying into the future. Specifically, I have a time set aside every year in the spring where I'm praying about, Lord, what do you want to call us into? What do you want to form us into as a community? What are we going to teach through? You know, out of that, I'll, I'll come back, I'll go to the elder board. I'll say, look guys, do you believe that this is where God is leading us? It's a community effort as we discern not, oh, what is Andrew's plans? Boring. What is God's plans for this community? And out of that, what it yielded, The last year was that theme of kingdom confidence. That was our framework for the year. Connected to that was a study in 2 Thessalonians, and the book of Revelation, and the book of Hebrews. And, you know, in each one of these books, you get these tremendous views into who Jesus is. You know, we, we see the sovereignty and power of Jesus over all human history in the book of Revelation. You know, we see how he is the eternal high priest and all sufficient sacrifice in the book of Hebrews. And all that was intended to bolster that confidence, that faith, that trust that we have in Jesus. Now, all of you may not be aware that that's going on, that all these things are connected, that all this has been prayed about and decided, you know, basically six months to a year in advance. You don't see how this series versus that series is all connected. We're just like trying to live our lives. You show up on a Sunday and you're like, okay, I know we're in the Bible and I know it has something to say for my life. And I know i got a lot going on this week. I just want to make sure my trash is out at this day and my car is off the road at this day, or else I get a street-sweeping ticket. Like, I know that's the level that a lot of us operate on. I also operate on that level pretty poorly, all right? That new park that you see down the street from you, funded by me, and all the street-sweeping tickets that i paid for over the last 12, 13 years in this city. I'm really bad at it. So I get that we operate on that level, just like living week to week. And, and some of you, you haven't even been here for the last year. You didn't even go through some of those studies. You're listening to the story and you're saying, "Uh, what happened? What is this place? But I just say all this about our process to say to you, there's nothing that happens here that doesn't first start with us seeking God's guidance. We want God's future for this church community. We want his vision for this church community. We want to remain rooted in him and he's going to bring about what's next. So as I prayed into what this year would be for us this last spring, and as I brought that to the elders, I want to share with you this morning the framework, the theme that we're stepping into. What was so impressed upon my heart was this idea of being fully devoted, fully devoted, fully devoted disciples of Jesus. It's like given what we know from the study in Revelation, given what we know from the book of Hebrews, we have this Like confidence, this belief, these things that we assert are true about God. Knowing all that, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to live? How is that going to influence what we do moving forward? Are we going to be more fully devoted then? Not just in word, but with our lives. You know, this is a theme that's fitting. This is a framework that's fitting not just for where we've been going in terms of like what God's been developing in us through our book studies and through teachings. But this also speaks to where we're at in our story as a community. We've got a lot of questions in front of us. We've got a lot of opportunities in front of us as a church community. You know, we look across the street at the warehouse that we've been leasing. Look at all the ministry that's been able to flourish in that space. But the lease is up in two years, and we know that that's not our forever home. We look at this location right here, and you heard it in the video, We're packing out those kids' rooms. We've got the next generation there. The amount of kids showing up on a Sunday here is higher than the average attendance at the average-sized church in America. Like, there is a future generation. God bless what God is doing here. But there's no more room. So we say there's no more room to expand beyond what we've even got in there. And oftentimes on a weekend, even in this space, for the adults that are gathering, we're out of room. And we're in the largest facility that you can rent in the city. We're looking ahead toward church planting. That's been part of our heart and vision, and we've done it in the past. But it's something that we want to structure ourselves to do more in this city, across this nation, abroad, in the future. We're putting those plans in place. We're actually you know, acting upon some of those plans as we speak. Even this last week, I look at a conversation I had with some of the local pastors in this city. And we're planning the first ever citywide worship gathering that's all city all the churches are being invited to come together and maybe it's not going to be Brock's vision of 80,000 I mean we all hope and dream for that right but maybe we're just going to start with like one or two thousand we've got to begin somewhere if we're going to end up in those ultimate goals there's so much ahead that's going to require our best efforts and involvement and our full devotion. And I consider my own life, and this is where a lot of these prayers and this longing is coming from, is my own life. I mean, here I am, I'm pretty well established. All right, I'm not the same person I was in some of those images. You know, that baby-faced guy with a beard? You know, I used to wear that beard to cover up the fact that I was young, so I'd kind of look like I actually knew something a little bit. Now if I shave the beard, I still look like I'm getting up there in age a little bit. I can't hide the fact I'm not as young anymore. Like, I'm pretty well established. I got got a good thing going. We're pretty well established as a church. We could keep a good thing going. But is there more? Is there more of our lives that we can give to God? Not at a religion that's going to drain us and drive us into the ground, but like we talked about in the last week of Hebrews, a life that's fueled by grace. What does he want to work in us individually and with us as a church? Who does he want to call in to contribute through a life of more full devotion. I'll be speaking to many of these questions in the coming weeks and months, and certainly God's Word is going to speak to these questions this morning. Let's open up to Luke chapter 9. Would you open up there with me? And if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand, and one of the ushers will pass one to you. The verses will also be on the screen. By the way, sorry it's a little muggy in here. The Senior Center's AC is not working. So you're not crazy. We didn't plan this. All right, this wasn't scripted either. I don't know whose plan this was, but... If you start to feel a little sweaty, just think about me, all right? I'm preaching at you, and you might actually start seeing it a little bit. But here we are, Luke chapter 9, and thinking about this theme of fully devoted, man, this is such an important moment in the gospel, in the story of Jesus' ministry. I want you to go back and read all of Luke 9. It's just packed with different things that are going on. This is like the pinnacle, the fever pitch, Of Jesus' earthly ministry, I mean, he is popular. Everywhere he goes, he cannot get away from the crowds because everybody's certain based on what he's been doing. Healing people of diseases, you know, confronting the manifestations of evil, casting out demons. Like, Like, he's been given appetizers of heaven, and it's delicious. Everybody wants more, so they're just tracking him down. Everywhere they're convinced he's this great prophet of old, or maybe even the Messiah, You know, God's promised king that was going to deliver God's people from all their enemies. And at that moment in Luke 9, when his ministry is at its pinnacle, its peak, that's when he starts being clear in his preaching about what his ultimate goal truly is. And yes, he is God's Messiah, and he is here to take out our chief enemy, but it's not the Roman Empire or any, you know, corrupt government of the world. The chief enemy of all humankind is sin and death it's the eternal judgment that follows our sin. And he has come specifically to go to Jerusalem to die on a cross, to take our place and remove from us the consequences of our sin. That's his goal. And he's starting to talk about it. He's starting to say it. He's fully devoted to that plan. Luke chapter 9, verse 51, just before where we're going to pick up. It says, as his time was coming to go to heaven, he set his face, he set his vision resolutely on Jerusalem. He was fully devoted to this plan to go die on the cross. And he's explaining this. He says it a couple times in Luke 9. And the disciples are hearing, but they're not getting it. I've fallen into this position many times. My wife can attest to it. If I am looking at a screen of any type, the TV or the iPad or the laptop, and she's speaking to me, I can be hearing her, but not perceiving her, not understanding her, right? My kids, classic, You know, they they can look at me even and see the words coming out of my mouth. And yet at some point, it's just not connecting. And the disciples, they would not understand what Jesus was going to do until after he was resurrected and vindicated. So at this point, they're still working it out. And there's all these dialogues that happen in Luke chapter 9, this set of verses I'm going to read where these prospective disciples are coming to Jesus with their presumptions about what it means to have faith, to be devoted to him. And he challenges those Assumptions and calls them still deeper into full devotion. That's going to be the invitation for all of us this morning. Let's read together verse 57. The verses will be on the screens. As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Here are these three interactions that Jesus has with these prospective disciples where he's challenging them and calling them into a deeper devotion. Let's look at each one of these interactions. You know, right there in 57, that first disciple comes along and says something in word that actually seems very commendable. It seems like the ultimate confession of, of full devotion. I will follow you wherever you go. It's like, bingo. That's what we're trying to get at, right? That's a solid confession right there. I mean, is this our example to imitate right here at the outset? Well, hold on. It appears like there's something going on here that we don't see in just the words that Jesus is picking up on regarding this man's aspirations. that, That don't align with what full devotion, true devotion is supposed to look like. Jesus replies in verse 58, foxes have holes. Birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Okay, so guys, like if I was to give you an example of this, if if you were a salesman, and somebody is coming in, and they are ready to go. They are ready to sign up, sign on the dotted line, sign their life. Let's say you're selling timeshares. And this person comes into the office and they say, I am ready, I want that vacation every year. I want to make family memories. I'm ready to sign up with the credit. You know, I, I'm ready to just give you everything. I, just show me where to sign. And then you finish the sales pitch with, well, you know, you got to think about this a little bit here. I mean, the location you're interested in, it has, you know, kind of a rat, cockroach, infestation combo. You know, it smells a little like a landfill. They've been having some plumbing issues the last few years. You know. That would be the absolute worst like, sales closing of a deal you could ever imagine, right? And that, that's essentially what Jesus does with someone who says right at the outset, I will follow you wherever you go. If you think about this, the way Jesus communicates about following him, this is the anti-prosperity gospel. You've heard the prosperity gospel, all the promises about everything that God's going to give you in this life. How does Jesus speak with a prospective disciple? He gives him the anti-prosperity gospel. There's no God's going to give you an upgrade promises here. What's with this bucket of ice cold water that Jesus is throwing on this guy? It's clear, like I said before, Jesus sees something in this man that we don't just see in the words. He sees the motives As Jesus is resolutely focused on Jerusalem, this man is coming alongside. And I I assume he's thinking, man, as Jesus establishes the newly formed government, I want to be an early adopter. I want to be somebody who was there at the beginning so that when we get to the top, I'm a lieutenant. You know, I got the new estate. I've got the position of prominence. But that's not Jesus' plan. That's this man's plan. And Jesus doesn't have much use or affirmation for misguided zeal, even if the words are coming out right. It's like the parable of the soils that Jesus talks about. He says, look, there's a soil. There's a condition of heart that when it hears the message of the gospel, when it hears Jesus' teaching, it receives that seed in the soil, and it shoots out of the ground. And, you know, it just buds, and it flowers, right? And it comes out with all this energy and gusto and just says, I'm going to follow you wherever you lead me, God. But then the weeds come in and choke it out, and that plant withers. What is it that Jesus is looking for? He says it's the soil, it's the heart that receives the seed, that receives the gospel. And it just steadily, day to day, that slow burn of full devotion that yields a return that's 30, 60, 100 fold. That is the heart condition that is affirmed. So when we talk about being fully devoted, this isn't the day to work yourself up with all this enthusiasm. This isn't the day to make all these promises and swear by heaven, I'm going to do everything that you tell me to do, God. This is the day from a sober spirit to assess the state of our own lives and say, Lord, how may I more wholeheartedly give my devotion to you? Because sure, this man was zealous and he was fully devoted to his own gain. He was zealous. He was fully devoted To what? To his own gain. And he was going to use Jesus as a platform to get more for himself. Jesus says, man, full devotion means trading our gain for God's. That's my first point this morning. Being fully devoted means trading our gain for God's. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus says, you want to follow me? That's where I'm going. Not toward my own comfort. I'm going to give myself in service to God and ultimately in service to you. In service to other people. I've given up a home. What a powerful message this is in America. Whose overt dream it is to own a home. You know, I know that you know, what we're about here is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But it, like in parentheses, that means own a home. Right? It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then it's, and at some point... I will own a home. That is the American dream. It's a home. That is not the Christian dream. The Christian dream is not the American dream. And oftentimes those two things are at odds with each other. I think about my own home that I will own in 26 years. (laughs) If I make payments consistently and I don't refinance it a thousand times, then people will tell me, the bank will tell me, I now own it. That is, if I pay my property taxes on it, which are high in California. You know, I don't go there too much. Taxes, California. No, I'm just saying, it's a lot. So even if I pay it all off after 30 years, if I can't keep up with the taxes, it still gets taken away from me. It gets repossessed. But let's say I can pay the taxes. I pay the mortgage. I pay the taxes. And I'm living into it in in my senior years. But what if my kids have to move me out because I can't take care of myself in it? I go senile. Then it's not mine anymore. But let's say I keep my wits, which is suspect. We're not sure. All right? It's a touch and go right now. Early signs, not good. But let's say I keep my wits about me. I pay it off. I pay the property taxes. What about in the end? In the end, when I'm not here any longer, what happens to that house? You think my kids are going to live in it? That sucker's going to be worth like a billion (laughs) dollars with this inflation, you know, rate. You you track that out till I'm 90, it's a billion dollars, and you think my kids are going to keep that? They're going to split that so fast in every direction, and then someone else is going to be living on that land. The land I live on, someone else is going to be living on. Whatever I thought was mine is not going to be mine any longer. Rent or own, we are all renters. We are all wanderers traveling through this land. Home or not, that's not what this is about. The point is, if my dreams are here, if my American dream is to own that, then it can never come true. If your dreams are here, they can never come true. Because even if they come true, you can't keep them true. Everything that we gain, we will lose But God says, I have something better. I want you to long for something better. I want you to gain something greater, something which is lasting, a bigger dream than the dreams of this world. It starts with giving up our gain for God's. There's a second disciple differentiated from the first. He's, He's actually approached by Jesus, given the invitation we're all given in verse 59. Follow me. That's the invitation. It doesn't matter if you've been in church, you know, just today. You worked up the energy, you're finally here. That's the invitation to you. Jesus says, God is welcoming you into relationship. He has a plan for your life. Follow me. Be fully devoted to me, even if you don't know what that looks like right now. And this individual's response seems reasonable. He replies, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus seems uncompromising in his invitation. Verse 60, he says, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of god now i agree if you have this impression that this seems a little bit insensitive to us that jesus would ask this guy to just leave the body of his father out in the open to just go and preach the gospel that just seems a little bit off that just seems a little bit odd but for context it's highly unlikely that this man's father had just died at this moment that he's being asked by jesus to to follow him you know circumstances not No, what's more likely is this this man had an elderly father who was getting up there in years and he can read the writing on the wall and he says, you know, I have this obligation to my father and he's going to pass on the estate. Let me stick around until that's all concluded and then I'll follow up with you, Jesus. I'm saying this prospective disciple likely had a five-year plan in place and that plan included Jesus, but he just penciled him in at the end. Now, Jesus knows the heart of the matter. He knows that there's always some noble aspiration ahead of us that can become to us our next goal. So by the time this individual got through that five-year plan, a lot of other good and noble and aspirational goals will have presented themselves to fill up enough time for 50 years. And then he's going to get to Jesus. He'd get to his faith. He'd figure out this whole church and spirituality thing. Before you know it this man's excuse to wait around to bury his father becomes an excuse that carries him all the way till his son is burying him and he never got to it Being fully devoted means giving God the priority giving God priority Where is God in the plan of your life Is he last Is it we make the 5 year plan And then we think, I better check in with God and have him stamp this. You know, I got it all worked out. This is a master plan of what I'm going to do. And now I need God to consecrate this and call it holy. So let's pray real fast that God will bless what we've already decided to do. Is he last in your five-year planning, 10-year planning, one-week planning process? Or is he first and last and core to everything you're going to do? The five-year plan should be his plan. It's all his plan. Full devotion means giving God priority. Finally, we have the third disciple who stated intentions to follow. They're there and more tempered than the first disciple. Verse 61, I will follow you, he says, but first let me go say goodbye to my family. And this seems like a noble thing to do. I mean, for real. The Bible tells us we've got commitments to our family we need to honor. Somebody who doesn't take care of their own family is called worse than an unbeliever in 1 Timothy chapter 5. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says, if we can't care for our own household, what makes us think we can do anything for anyone else in the world? So they're like, there's this value for taking care of our family and being committed there. But it seems like this is hard to interpret because the Bible is at odds with what Jesus is saying, at least superficially. And it can be hard to interpret. We're like, man, it says this, but Jesus is saying that. Which one is it? Now, I don't think anything Jesus is saying here is meant to displace anything else that's said in the Bible. We need to understand, again, the context that many who chose to follow Jesus in the time of Jesus, and maybe some of you in your own lives, they were derided. You know, they were disconnected as a result from their families. There wasn't this massive established church church or faith that they were choosing to be a part of when they were choosing to be a part of this band of disciples with Jesus. You know, they would often have to give up, you know, national allegiances and the religious traditions that they were brought up in and their family traditions. And so immediately when they would choose to follow Jesus, they would be labeled both an enemy of the state and they would be excommunicated from their family which would mean they didn't have the inheritance, which would mean they wouldn't have their livelihood. That's why Jesus has to promise, like, hey, if you lose a father or a mother, you lose a brother or a sister, a livelihood income and in a state that's going to be in your future, if you lose it for me, you'll get it a hundredfold in the kingdom of God, and that with salvation. So the disciples needed to know full devotion means all these other allegiances to nation, to religious tradition, to family tradition, are to be set aside Being fully devoted means single-minded service. If the nation, if the family tradition contradicts God, there's no looking back. There's only forward in His kingdom. Man, as I was thinking about and praying about this year and what the Lord would lead us through, I didn't have the words fully devoted. I couldn't put words to it. I was struggling. But what was coming to mind was that image The Lord kept bringing that to mind, the hand of the plow, not looking back, so that we can be fit for service in the kingdom of God, that single-minded service, eyes ahead, and that's what I want to grow toward. I don't want to be half-hearted, guys. I don't want to give 10% or 20% or a respectable 51% of my life to God at the end of my life. I don't want that to be the assessment, and I don't want to have regrets, not because I'm afraid of condemnation and judgment, but because of missed opportunity. What did I hold back? And what would it have meant if I didn't hold it back any longer? So friends, I don't want to live somewhere between the American dream and the kingdom dream. You know what I mean? I don't want to live somewhere between the American dream and the kingdom dream. I don't think there is somewhere to live between those two things. I don't want to live somewhere in between my five-year plan and God's will. Because I don't think there is a place between those two things. I don't want to live somewhere in this compromise of my allegiances to the world and ultimately my allegiances to the kingdom of God because I don't believe those two things can coexist. We'll be double-minded in everything we do. I want to give everything to Jesus. I want to place everything on the table. I want to have my hands open, willing to be released. His dreams, His will, that's full devotion As we consider this call that we're stepping into that doesn't just encapsulate today, but encapsulates much of where we're going, I want us to actively respond. A lot of times on this Sunday, I'll ask you, hey, let's actually stand. And let's stand this morning right now as we respond to this message. Because there's a greater level of devotion that can be called forth in all of our lives. Again, not fueled by religion. We're going to grind this thing out. But fueled by God's grace, the opportunity before us. I'd like you to do something that we do at the end of service, every service. I'd like you to open your hands in a posture of this openness to God and what He would want to show us and what journey He would want to take us on individually and as a church community in the weeks and the months to come. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're longing for that deeper devotion. Would you map out Territories in our heart that haven't yet been fully discovered or fully offered over to you. Lord, before we take any ground and territory in this world, we're asking that you take ground and territory in us. Lord, with the work that gets done this next year, empowered by your Holy Spirit, lead us to say in another year's time that we are more fully devoted. We've entrusted more of our life to you we're not seeking our own gain, increasingly seeking your gain. Anything we gain in this world, we lose. Anything we gain in your kingdom goes on into eternity. So Lord, help us to say at the end of this year that we're giving you the priority, whether it's our one-year plan, our five-year plan, our 10-year plan. Lord, is it your plan? It's not just for people on a church staff to say, oh, it's It's your plan that we're going to live for. It's every single one of us, Lord. Your will through our lives. Would we submit our planning to you? That you'd be the first and the last. You'd be the core. You'd be the plan. Whatever it is, Lord, that we'd have that single-minded service to you. That we'd be so laser-focused, longing for you and what you would want from us. Lord, if something is presented to us that's at odds from our nation, if something's presented that's at odds with the tradition we grew up and the family that we come from, we set it aside because we want what you want. We're fully devoted and nothing even comes close and there's no question who we're following. We're gonna follow you, Lord. Deepen that for us. Deepen that for us today, this month, this year. And Lord, as we ask for these things, prompted just to ask the question what is what's taking our attention away from that single-minded service ask the lord in your own heart what what are you looking over your shoulder at what's taking your gaze away from the the plow the work that god is calling you into what's distracting you So no one who looks back is fit for service in the kingdom. We're to have that single-minded devotion, but maybe it's some gain in the world. Maybe it's some allegiance and tie you have to the world. Maybe it's some other plan that you wanted to put into place that you haven't even submitted before God. What's, What's taking your attention away? Just consider that for a moment. Lord, reveal that in these moments. turn our gaze to you. Turn our faces back to you. Turn our faces toward your kingdom. Place our hands back on the plow. Help us to live for what is eternal. Help us to devote more of ourselves fully to you.